Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Hey, everybody. Finally, some at least minor relief in sight. Uh, just fingers crossed that uh, this little cold front, which they don't really show dipping down too far in Texas, but let's hope it at least comes close enough. I'd settle for some outflow <laughs> wind at this point. Um, well, anyway, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. This is The Austin Gardener, and we are here today to talk about your questions and comments and what's going on at your landscape, which I'm pretty sure is as bleak as mine is. But hopefully things will continue to get better from here. And um, it's actually, interestingly enough, a really good time to direct seed a lot of fall vegetables. And, of course, you're going to have to supplement water when you plant seeds and not let those little seedlings dry out when they germinate. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Meanwhile, if you all want to join the show, 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. We have a toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. And I also want to encourage you, if you are looking for a landscaper, to consider Kevin Wood Landscapes. Uh, And you can go to the uh, website, which is kevinwoodlandscapes.com. And see some of the projects that we've done. And just know that we do specialize in native plants. Uh, we do irrigation, lighting, you know, all the all the stuff you would need. Anything you need to build, we can handle that. And uh, so I highly recommend giving them enough notice. Any good landscaper, you need notice. You need time to design um I know you've heard me say this a million times, but it's really true because the minute we get a cold front, y'all, the phones are going to be ringing off the wall. Okay, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to do, the, do a project. Um, happens every year, October and March, uh, and you're just, if you are not in the line already, you're going to be, you know, put way to the back, so... Anyway, thanks for listening to that. Now, again, here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. Call or text. And then we have the toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So I was looking at my uh, vegetable gardening book because I heard some of that call about the onions, 1015. That's because that's when you plant them. Um, So I got interested, and I went to my vegetable gardening guide the organic one that I refer to all the time. And I looked up all the stuff that direct seeding now for our area. That's just, if you're going to put the seeds directly in the ground, there are so many things to plant right now. Um, And here are some of them. Beans like snap or bush beans, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, (coughs) cabbage, cauliflower, cucumber, potato, and summer squash, just to name a few. Uh, So it's interesting that, you know, these things need a good head start. 
uh, it's assumed, I think, by the authors of this book, that things are going to start cooling down a little bit. And so they are, you know, recommending this at this time. Now, you, you can probably vary that by a little bit. Maybe wait till after this weather this week, see what we get. If we get any rain, that would help a lot um, for your little seeds to come up. But so there's a lot you can be doing if you want to get out there in the garden. Of course, you can do this when it's cool. You don't have to get out there at three. So anyway, um, <clears throat> all right. So that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Another thing I wanted to talk about today, and you know, unless you guys have any other questions or comments, were uh, plants that you can plant in shady areas, because this comes up a lot, and a lot of people just don't understand what plants can really work in the shade. So I was thinking about some of my favorite plants that uh, that I like to use in the shade, and I can I can tell you some of them. There's quite a few, uh, but one of the ones that I love that's kind of a low-growing plant is heartleaf skullcap. It's such a pretty little plant, and it is just really a really good plant for here. So heartleaf skullcap, Texas betony. Uh, that's another low grower, one of my favorites. All right, we have a caller online, so I want to do that first before I keep talking. Let's go to South Austin. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. What's up? I had a, que- I had a question about, uh, it's called a southern myrtle. It's a barrier shrub. And see what you thought about them. Are you talking about wax myrtle? Yes, wax myrtles. Well, I don't think they're great on the up in the rocky areas of the plateau. They're native, but they don't really start being native until east of Bastrop. Um, they're all over. They're like a big weed in the forests of East Texas. But they are a fast-growing evergreen. And if you have good soil, like, a, for instance, a raised bed or a well-prepared bed with, you know, kind of deeper soil and some good compost and stuff, uh, then they can be a very fast-growing evergreen, and they'll last many years. They just don't love so much the rock and the alkalinity. After a few years, they may start kind of not doing too great. And there's two sizes of them. There's a dwarf wax myrtle, and it gets at least, you know, six feet. And then there's a standard wax myrtle. And that one is more like a small tree, you know, like 12 feet or something like that. So know what you need before you buy them. Right. So would you recommend them as a barrier here in South Uh, Austin? You know, they're not my favorite thing, I have to be honest with you. But a lot of people have them and a lot of people love them. I feel like they're really wispy. They're, They're a little wispier than I would want if I really wanted, say, a privacy barrier. What are you wanting them for? A privacy barrier. Yeah. Just looking for something like about seven feet tall. I'll you know? tell you a much better choice would be a compact cherry laurel. A cherry laurel? Mm-hmm. You can Google Is it. it. fast-growing? Yeah. Fast-growing, evergreen, native, made off a of native. Uh, we have the standard cherry laurel, which is a tree that grows here, grows real fast. And then we have a, the compact version it's at the most it's going to get 
about seven feet tall. Right. But it's a real bushy evergreen. It's a it it would be one of my first choices. And then other things. Really? Yeah. It depends on how tall you want to get. You could is it sun or shade? It's uh it's on it's on the uh, west side, so it would get the uh, get a lot of sun. Sun, yeah. But there's some there's some crepe myrtles right there too, so they're sort of blocking it. Well, so other things medium. you could use also uh, Texas sage. Again, it's not that dense, but it's just pretty. Um, you could use evergreen sumac. You could use, uh, if you can do a little bit of a taller plant, you could use a mountain laurel or a an evergreen yopon. Um, yeah, I was really looking for fast growing, though. Okay. Know? I was trying to get like two two feet a year. Yeah, well, I, I think your cherry laurel, you can look it up and read about it, but I think that's going right. to be your best bet. And, you know, if I was going to do that and make a, a hedge how far would i plant them apart well they can get the if, assuming you're going to get the compact ones they'll probably get at least four feet wide so two feet on either side of the center of the plant so you want to allow about four feet between the um, bushes right between the stalks i guess mm-hmm. you would say mm-hmm. the, the center of the plant yeah and uh when would you plant them i'd wait a little bit I'd wait a little bit till it cools off, um, maybe the end of this month, or depends on if we get some, you know, some cooling down trend, a little rain maybe. But I'd plant them, uh, you know, no later than say October. Well, you could plant them later, but I I like them to have some time to get going. Right, right. Before winter and uh, and watering, would you how would you water them like Saint Augustine? Uh, yeah, but deep water and not necessarily every day or something. You know, give them a good deep soaking when you plant them. And then a few days later, you may want to soak them again. If they are if they are kind of wilty in the morning, they need water. Okay. And uh, any fertilizer? Uh, would it put a root stimulator on them or no, anything when no, I plant them? No, uh-uh. I don't believe in that. Those root stimulators don't work that well. I think What about you, gyps? What, should I put gypsum in there to break that dirt up? Nah. No. No, just and, uh, mix in some good compost, but not deep in the bottom of the hole. Hey, I got to do oh, a break. Do you want to hold okay. a little, or do you, is that enough? Okay, yeah, I can hold. I can okay. Hold. All right, let's do the break, and we'll be back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. <clears throat> okay, we are back. Let's go back to Jimmy and see if we can finish up with his uh, crepe myrtle question. Hey, Jimmy, let's uh, let's see. Oh, are you? I'm sorry, I was pushing the wrong button <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> okay, where were we? So we're talking about the cherry laurel. Yeah, and uh, so how deep would I plant them? Only as deep as they are in the container. Gotcha. When you put and, uh, them in. And uh, and but, listen, folks, I just want to take the opportunity to remind you that when you're digging, like if you're doing these in a flower bed or something, as you plant them, water it in, like put a third of the soil in at a time and water it uh, so that it settles and so that you know that it's not going to settle later and end up with soil around the trunk. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, and should I put mulch on top yep. after I plant them? Yep, yep. All righty. I think that'll do it. So uh, I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for calling. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. 
Okay, 512-836-0590. That's a call or text number. And the toll-free is 877-590-5525. Let's see here. A text. Um, Hi, my lantanas are alive but ugly. Do I cut back and hit with seaweed soon? Hoping for bloom at a family reunion in October. Thank you. You're the bomb. (laughs) Yes, you can do that. Uh, It's interesting about lantanas. They actually love to be pruned. You don't have to cut them hard, and I wouldn't cut them hard. But you could literally, like, hedge them, hedge them back a few inches, give them a good seaweed drench, and hopefully they will come right on back and bloom again for you in October. They're going to want to. You know, they, they want to bloom, blooming in October. So I think you could easily do that. And, um, yeah, pretty much everything's ugly right now, right? <laughs> okay, let's see here. Here's another text. Um Crown of thorns. Should I cut it? Very long stem, and I notice an area below the canopy about one to two inches where there are no thorns. If I should cut, should I cut there? Then how to root? Um, Boy, that is, I've never really seen one look like this. It looks like a little palm tree or something. It's gone straight up. I think your pot's too little, to be honest with you, because that crown of thorns should be putting out a lot more side branches and stuff the problem with cutting it is you have to cut the top off and that's the only place there's leaves i think before i did that i might try to plant it up and see if i can get some more uh, growth off of it some other uh, leafy branches because if you cut off the top of this plant uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to make it because there's nothing else to to photosynthesize um, what it needs. But you can certainly cut them. Let's say you had enough branches to do that. After a while, then you you just want to get a real vibrant green branch, and you want to cut below a node. Um, and a lot of people will put it in rooting hormone, little little uh, dry powdery hormone and then stick it in a real well-drained medium uh, and root it that way. In fact, some people will even put it in a plastic bag and tie the top closed or clip it closed or something. creates almost like a little terrarium with moisture in there for it. Uh, And that can really help cuttings germinate as well. Uh, So that's my best advice, but I don't think you can take a cutting off of this plant until you... You give it a bigger pot and get some more growth on it. Uh, another question, are cherry laurels poisonous to dogs? Not that I know of. I mean, I've never heard that. Um, it's always best to check. I'm not an expert on poisonous plants, but uh, I've certainly never had a uh, any feedback about a dog having a problem um, eating a cherry laurel. My botany teacher used to make us eat every single thing we saw, every plant. He made us put it in our mouths and eat it, see what it tasted like. I'll never forget tasting uh, prickly ash, uh, which is the one that's also called Hercules Club. It's got a 
a uh, a trunk covered with thorns, and uh, it's also called toothache tree for a very good reason, actually, uh, because it will numb your mouth. And of course, he made us all eat that. I'm sure that's the only possible enjoyment he got out of a class of dummies like us. But yeah, he had to uh, make a seed everything. I'm sure he wouldn't have had a seed a poisonous plant, but we did certainly taste cherry laurel. I remember that. A uh, real cherry laurel does have a distinctive cherry-like taste to it when you crush the leaf or break the leaf. So, but any anyway, before you know, in the olden days, before everybody had a dentist on the next corner, uh, the early settlers would use the toothache tree between traveling dentist visits to numb their their mouths if they were having a lot of pain in their mouth. So that's how it got its name. Very apropos. Okay, 512-836-0590. Call or text. Um, let's see here. Here's another text. Is there a mail source for us? M-A-I-L. Uh, source for especially indoor plants? Thanks, Faye. Faye, I don't know. I don't know why there wouldn't be because you can pretty much order anything else um, in the world online. Um, but if it were me and I could get out, I'd rather go to a nursery. I don't know where y'all live, but um, a lot of nurseries carry indoor plants now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you, I, I don't know. You'd have to Google it and see. Maybe somebody listening knows if you can order indoor plants online. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> but I bet you can. Okay. If y'all don't want to call or text, let me go back to my list of shade-loving plants uh, because this is a question I get all the time. So I already mentioned heartleaf skullcap, Texas betony, and now I want to mention tropical sage, which is a native plant. It's Salvia coccinea. Um, this is a plant that hummingbirds would choose over anything else if they had a chance. They love tropical sage. Now, it's a little monster. It will spread itself like crazy. So you got to be okay with having a little thicket of it uh in your yard but that's why it's perfect for those edge of the woods areas or just under under the oaks in an area that's not a you know a, a well-groomed area but there's nothing like a tropical sage they're just gorgeous and then the cousin the little cedar sage now that is a ground cover and it blooms in the spring with red spiky flowers it's a very low ground cover but cedar sage is one of the my favorite things in the whole wide world. Um, so I would highly recommend considering cedar sage. Any of the ruelias, you know, the, either the Mexican petunia, the dwarf ruelias, they will all grow in the shade. Um, ferns of all kinds, of course. We have native river ferns, but there's also foxtail fern. Holly fern is a good evergreen fern shady areas i use that a lot actually as a as a evergreen backbone plant okay well it's time for us to go to the news so we will be back after this with more of your comments
Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. And we have lines open at 512-836-0590. Call or text. Again, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin, and you are listening to the Austin Gardener. And um, I got a couple of texts here. Uh, Here's one that says, My neighbor had some painting done at her house. The painters cleaned their brushes and rollers in her grass and poured out excess paint as well. A genuine mess. Should I add some compost to that uh, area after cleaning all the paint up? It was latex paint, and her grass is St. Augustine. She called the painters, and they were not sympathetic at all. Duh. They could care less about what they're doing to your yard. I've seen it. You can't believe some of the things we've dug up in yards, like in new houses where they just cover everything with sandy loam. Well, a lot of times they're covering up a giant puddle of paint. Um, When you do clean it up, it's probably not as terrible as it would be if it was oil paint, but um, you can always go to Medina Soil Activator as a remediation for chemical spills and stuff uh, or just, you know, chemical residues in the soil. So if she can spray that area a few times with Medina Soil Activator, that would help a lot. And yes, compost will also help a lot. And good, you know, just drenching and drenching, trying to dilute it with water as if we have enough water to do that. Uh, But yeah, that's what I would do. And you know what? Don't use those painters again. And uh, tell all your friends. Okay, here is a photo. Let me look at this in a text. Um, Okay. Uh, Cheryl, I sent you these photos of cherry laurels a couple of years ago. They suffered greatly during the freezes, but recovered nicely. They've done well through the drought. Firewise doesn't like these to be planted right next to the house due to flammability. I think they would make a a good barrier privacy plant. Yes, I agree. That's what I was talking to that other caller about a while ago. A, a good uh, privacy plant. Yours is the one up by the house that you this picture. You know, it's two stories tall. Um, and that's obviously not one of the dwarf ones or the compact ones. And it's hard to tell because they look identical when they're little. So sometimes we can think we're getting one and get the other. So we have to be sure, um, check the tags and make sure you're buying from a nursery where the people know what they're doing. Okay, Um, here's another text. I get several catalogs for plants. Some are Burpees, Brex, Spring Hill. Most will be starter plants. Okay, that's that's a good information for the lady that uh, texted me earlier saying, do you know of uh, if you can buy indoor plants online? So you're saying yes. I mean, certainly in my days as a landscaper and, and owning a plant nursery, I have ordered plants 
from different uh, growers that arrived. Um, I didn't order online back then, but again, it was catalogs and or, you know, getting their list of facts to you in those days. But yes, I've, I've ordered a lot of stuff um, from different growers, and they will ship them. I've even had plants arrive here at the station many times, big boxes of plants when they want to promote the use of a certain, usually annuals, though, you know, like all different color impatiens or pansies one year or something like that. Um, and they were shipped in boxes. Most of them arrived just fine. Uh, some of them were wilted from getting probably left in a hot truck too long. But you, they do ship plants all the time, so that's good information. Again, burpees, bricks, Spring Hill uh, are the ones that this lady uses. So good job. Thank you, alert texter. All right, 512-836-0590, call or text. I want to get back to my uh, shade-loving list. I've already gone through heartleaf skullcap, Texas betony, tropical sage, cedar sage, ruelia, which is petunia, basically, the native ones, ferns. So many cool ferns. Um, I mentioned holly fern. It's a non-native fern, but it's an evergreen fern with very thick, um, leaves that look more like a holly leaf than any fern you've ever seen. But they are a good, low-growing evergreen. Um, I typically don't plant them late in the fall, though. Uh, if you're going to plant them, I would plant them soon. They need time to get established before winter because that first winter, um, they can be damaged by a hard freeze early, you know, so if they're not well established, that's not good. All right. Um, I was next going to go on to columbines, which do need to be fall planted, y'all. A little four-inch uh, uh, little planter, you know, things of columbine want to go in in the fall. It's good to wait till a little later, till it's a little bit cooler. But then they grow, columbines grow in the winter. They lushly grow all winter and then bloom in the spring. I like the yellow ones. For me, they're just the showiest ones. Um, but And they like a shady area, like under oak trees and stuff, towards the back of the bed, because once they're done, um, you have to leave them there until they drop their seed, and they can look, you know, like any wildflower. They don't look awesome after that. So, But the mother plant only lives about three years so you got to let them go to seed uh, to establish a colony. All right, Belton. Kay, hi. Thanks for calling KLBJ today. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. What's up? Well, I'm wanting some guidance on, you know, we've all experienced this wonderful drought, these hot temperatures. We're all looking at our yards that are dormant and look like hay. Um, so my question is between seaweed and the molasses and the soil activator, all these things, what is a game plan to bring our lawns back without shocking them once the you know the hot temperatures go away, which it looks like they may here in the next week or so? Yeah, well, the first thing that would help us all would just be if it would rain. We cannot duplicate that effect, right? We're right. watering with alkaline water here anywhere in central Texas. 
Uh, we can't even water that much because the lakes are so low. They've got us on restrictions. So we've really got to uh, pray for rain, basically, because that's going to jumpstart things that have gone dormant, um, things that are wilted and not dead yet, but they look terrible. I mean, obviously, you try to water your investment-type plants a little bit, you know, keep them sure. alive. Um, there's not really anything needed, per se, until maybe October, uh, besides the rain. It depends on whether you're planting new stuff or not, though. Uh, seaweed, you can... No, not now. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. You can't hurt anything with seaweed. That's always good. But okay. um, we we don't need to really do anything until the end of this month or early October would, would be my thing. Then you can add compost, and that's going to help more than anything. Okay, and, and if you do those, I, you seem to really think a lot of seaweed. I've never used that. Is that something, um, you know, once we're back into a more normal cycle, do you use that once a week, once a month? Do you alternate it with? Uh, typically, you, know, you would. You don't need to use it that often. Um, now, I do have a little uh, program that I like to do in the spring when stuff is just leafing out. I like to spray things like roses and crepe myrtles and stuff. Now, crepes, you know, they're they're a little later, but things that leaf out early, I like to spray them, foliar feed them with seaweed every week or ten days, and do that about three times in the oh, okay. spring because it toughens up the leaves. Other times, like at this, no point putting it on the leaves. You can just mix up a bucket of it and pour it around the plant into the soil. Okay. And, and with the seaweed, last question, I promise. Um, yeah, well. With the seaweed on the lawn before we go fully into winter, kind of make it sturdy or hardy in yeah. case we get another one of these polar eclipses? Yep. It does amazing things for grass. It is amazing. It'll turn yellow grass green overnight if it's lacking the nutrients that are available to it from the seaweed. I've, I've personally done this in my own oh, yard. Okay. So, yeah. And do you do it with a dial um, yeah. you know, the thing you put on the hose? Yeah. What number yeah. would you put it on? I don't well, know. Um, uh, but more uh, is better. Whatever it says. Yeah, sometimes if... It you know if you open it up a little bit if it's not flowing fully you know how sometimes with yeah. some of those things it'll clog up your filter. Okay, um, well thank you so much. You're I appreciate welcome. it. Good luck. You're in all the right, same bye -bye. boat as all of us. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> no out there. kidding. Right. Okay, good luck to all of us. <laughs> yeah, bye. Thanks. All right, let's get that uh, last break done, and we'll be back and uh, right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. And I have a text here that recommends another place to buy online plants. And this uh, texter says Costa Farms on Amazon, C O S T A. Costa Farms. So that's a good tip also. Uh, now, let's go to this text that's got several photos of lemons and limes. <clears throat> and um, let me read. Hi, Cheryl. We have limes and pink lemons, finally. Do we pick them as we need them? Or is there a certain time I need to pull all of them and then trim back my trees for winter? No idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Now that it's finally producing, this has been quite the long road. Four years to produce 
for my lime tree, three years for the pink lemon. That's even sooner than I thought the lemon would do, really. Um, so here's the thing. They're not ready yet. Um, <coughs> the uh, You don't have enough of the lemons to just randomly pick them and try them. But uh, I feel like that your only option, if you have plenty and, and you have a lot more limes, is to try them. Cut one, try one, and see if they're ready. Limes can produce pretty much all year. Most citrus, though, isn't really ready until a little later in the fall, and you can't necessarily tell by the color. Um, sometimes your only option is to, you know, cut one and see if it's juicy and flavorful and ready to go. You know, if they're hard as a rock, that's probably not uh, ready yet. But um, I've never had a pink lemon, so I'm not really sure about that one. But uh, typically they are a little later in the fall, like another at least month or, or maybe even more. A lot of things, I'm thinking of my uh, daughter, she had a big old grapefruit, and it would get ready late in the fall uh, and then hold over the fruits during the winter so you could just go pick them when you wanted to. I don't even like grapefruit. She didn't either. Uh, so there were bushels that were left in sneaky methods during the night to neighbors. Okay, it says we have 1964 St. Augustine, but would like to transition to a more drought-tolerant grass or combination of grasses like thunder turf. Do I have to kill all the St. Augustine first, or can I put out seeds and see if that will take over? Uh, yeah, it'd be better to get rid of the St. Augustine, but my question is, if St. Augustine is flourishing, is it in shade? Because thunder turf doesn't want shade. So I need to know your light requirements. But um, if I were, let's just say it is sun, and you want to do the thunder turf, what I would probably do is rent a sod cutter and just cut off the, the St. Augustine, just take it out, roots and all, get rid of that clay layer that's on the bottom of it uh, because that's hard for things to root into and just, you know, compost it or haul it off uh, and then plant my seeds. That would be my, uh, my way to do it. Okay, uh, let's see. Regarding your shade-tolerant plant list this morning, which ones are deer-resistant? Thanks. Love you and Jeff. Uh, let's see. I think the one that is not deer-resistant so far is cedar sage and columbine. Uh, they will eat those. Uh, and I hadn't gotten to the rest of my list, but that would be, uh, and they don't eat ferns, uh, but they will eat cedar sage and columbine. They don't eat Turk's cap, white misflower, aurelia, and beautyberry. At least I don't think so. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't eat Turk's cap. They look delicious, even if for humans. Uh, let's see, Jeff or Cheryl, would you plant a bald cypress or a Montezuma cypress if you had a yard in Georgetown? I've always wanted one, and this is the year. Not sure if there's a real difference between the two. I'm a little worried about winter damage to Montezuma. 
No, they're tough as nails. Definitely go with Montezuma. They are more drought resistant. Um, and they grow like a darn weed. You talk about fast growing. Uh, Montezuma cypress will just grow so fast. Um, yeah, plant it in the fall. I'm not, I think, you know, don't get a little six inch plant, but go ahead and get it as big a one as you can put in and, uh, you know, sooner the better. That way it'll get well established before the first hard freeze comes. Um, hi, Cheryl. What are good flower plants to plant around this time of the year? Well, if you're just talking about annuals, uh, a lot of mums are available and asters. This is fall stuff. Those are beautiful. But any of the natives that are still blooming, you could be planting things like lantanas, mist flowers, verbena, a uh, lot of fun stuff. But I think mainly the um, mums would be a really good choice for fall. They'll bloom for a good long while. Some mums are perennial here. But you never know when you just buy them from the grocery store. Uh, here's another one. Hi, Cheryl. Bought a place in Hamilton, Texas. We have well water. pH tested at 8.2. We have raised beds working with the compost amended with mushroom mulch. We planted beans, okra, grape, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, carrots, beets. The okra, grapes, and raspberries are doing well. Beans, carrots, beets, and blueberries are struggling. Uh, is the alkaline water a problem, and what should we do to bring the pH down to the 6.7 range? I don't know what you can do with um, a well. I mean, if you were just talking about water and a few little things, I'd be like, oh, just add some vinegar to the water. That'll help bring it back towards neutral, but I don't know. I mean, we're talking, sounds like a large scale, but that would be the easiest thing you could do is uh, to bring the pH down, is uh, add vinegar to the water. So you might try that just a little bit and see if it helps them, like mix up some buckets of it. Uh, let's see. Suggestions for redoing the front yard turf. Yellowed area used to be St. Augustine and brown is burned up weeds get sun basically from sun up to sundown well if you're going to start over it's full sun you probably want to go with the bermuda uh and you can get a nice like tiff 419 bermuda uh sod uh or even zoysia uh zoysia becomes very drought resistant after about the third year uh but yeah if it's that hot saint augustine's really burned up uh, let's see here. Okay, about the St. Augustine. Yeah, sun. You got sun there. That's that's where you're going to... You'll, you'll have good luck with the thunder turf then. Okay, here. All right. Xylosanthum, dentatum, clever, coolium. Uh, the toothache tree or Hercules club, just for fun. Thanks, Terry Smithville. Well, yeah. I mean, they change these botanical names. I can't even keep, keep up with them anymore. Xanthoxylum hirsutum, I think, was the one that I was taught many years ago. That's the toothache tree we were talking about earlier, um, which is the one that the professor made us eat, and it was really, really nasty. <laughs> yeah.
It was kind of fun, though. And it does, it does. It numbs your mouth. So I guess it was useful to the early settlers when the dentist wasn't around. They could chew on those and help uh, help with, you know, tooth pain. Um, all right. Well, we're just about out of time. I want to encourage you again to consider Kevin Wood Landscapes uh, as your contractor, your design build company. If you're looking to do a, a landscape project, please consider us and give us plenty of lead time because, you know, as I've said a million times, it takes a while to plan a good landscape. Um, we love pictures of what people like. This is very helpful. Uh, you, and if you don't know anything, you don't know anything, and that's fine. You can you know, rely on our choices. But uh, if you have pictures of things that you really like, I've always found that very helpful uh, to the design process. And anyway, a lot of lead time. If you need irrigation, no problem. Lighting, no problem. Water features, decks, patios, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's a putting green. We're putting a putting green in right now. I found out. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, so that everything's. If we don't do it, we get it done. You know what I'm saying? Like if we can't be experts on anything, like high voltage electricity, for instance, we use real electricians for that kind of stuff. But we do low-voltage stuff all the time, so um, <clears throat> pumps, you name it. Plant selection and bed preparation is the key to everything. So you've got to be sure your landscape company is aware of how and what kind of soil and amendments to bring in. You know, do not let them bring in what we used to call sandy loam or chocolate loam is just another version of the same thing. So you want really good compost and stuff. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today and for all your good comments and questions. Uh, we appreciate every single one of them. And let us all <laughs> join together and be seeching Mother Nature to do us a favor this week, okay? Let's just our fingers. All right, thank you all. I'll see you all next Sunday.